Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackfine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcast today. We're diving into a lot. Art Rooney spoke to a small group of the media yesterday and really gave more than I expected. It was my first time in one of those little sessions, won't lie. I felt like a badass walking in there. He was it, it was crazy. First off, let me start by this. You walk in, it's this it's these two tables, okay? It's like a boardroom meeting. And you just sit down and he comes and he's he's escorted in. He sits down, takes off his jacket, looks at you, says like two things and he's like all right. And then you just start asking questions. It was the most mob thing I've ever seen in my life. It was awesome. Um, but we talked to him a little bit yesterday. He gave a lot. We'll dive into that. Pretty much everything else. Your mock draft that dropped yesterday on Steelers draft talk. But first, it's a cold one. I went for a run this morning and the wind was so bad that I I couldn't feel my throat. I didn't know what was going on out there. It was not fun. But we're here. It's the end of January, so can't expect anything less. How are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, dude, I went so I went to LA for only three days, but I guess because um, my body was getting used to that LA weather, you know, 60, <laughs> 65 during the day. And then at night it would get down to, you know, only about, you know, low 40s. When I've been walking out of work in the mornings this week, dude, I have been freezing, like shivering <laughs> cold. And I'm normally somebody who likes the cold weather. But I've been telling people, like, man, I can't take any more uh, West Coast vacations. I, my body, my body's taking too long to adjust between that and the jet lag of me just being tired oh. all week. Another thing that's not normal for me. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, pretty good. I'm just trying to get myself back in my routine. Dude, I cannot believe that you you went right back to work from what's the flight? Like six <laughs> hours? You got a three hour time difference? I could it's, only imagine. Yeah, that it's your body. It's four and a half. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, I, I definitely, uh, definitely am glad to be home, but I, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for the weekend, even more so than normal, just yeah. because, um, you know, getting back in my routine and I, I don't want to do anything this weekend. I want to watch some film. I want to hang out. I don't want to do anything, uh, that requires me to leave the house for longer than 10 minutes to go get food. <laughs> That's a good weekend. I'm excited for yeah. you. Um, I, it would have been a good thing. You come down to Mobile, you would have at least been adjusted to the weather. I, I'm going to hit like true. a brick yeah. coming back because it always hits perfectly. You fly back into Pittsburgh and then it's just like, oh, here's this ridiculous snowstorm and zero degrees. Welcome back to the Burke. And I'm very excited for that. But at the same time, I could use some warm weather. So uh, let's dive into a little bit of everything. I want to start with your mock draft, you and Nick. Dropped one on Steelers draft talk yesterday. It was a blast to listen to. I've never listened to a mock draft before. So watching your guys because I watch everything before it goes out. Listening to you guys, watching you guys talk about that was pretty fun. You had a very surprising name that I laughed at heavily when you said it with that first pick. Because I knew like as soon as it came out of your mouth, I was just like, this is this is his guy. Derek's always got a guy this year. It's him. Um Go through a couple of those those picks. Let everybody know kind of how you guys felt about that that mock draft the first couple of rounds. Yeah, um, it was a cool little idea that we chopped up before we got um, going this week. Um, I wanted to do a mock draft just because, like, I know the fan base in general just, like, 
they love mock drafts more than anything in this world. So um, everybody's been sending me their mocks. So I, I've been like, man, I, we got to get something out on the pod about this. But um, basically me and Nick did like dual mock drafts. So he did a separate one um, from myself. And then we didn't talk about our picks or anything because I wanted the conversation to flow really fluid. Um, it's very interesting. We both took completely different paths, but, you know, we ended up with a lot of the same positions uh, just because we see the needs similarly. But um, I picked Devon Witherspoon from Illinois um, at 17. And I just I talked about him a little bit on here and I've talked about him a lot on the draft draft pod. But um, I really just think that he fits into what the Steelers are looking to do in the back end with, you know, how much man experience that he has at Illinois. They're a very man heavy defense. Um, he's an awesome player, man. He's real physical, short area burst, uh, can click and close with the best of them. But I just I love the way that he gets his hands in the passing lane. And I think, you know, when you look at the Steelers, they want to play man coverage. You know, they they want guys that can um, get their get their hands on a football. And Witherspoon yeah. does that, you know, better than really anyone else in this class. So I just think from his mentality, his physicality, I, I love um I just I love Witherspoon's game. And then uh, Nick, his first pick was Jordan Addison. I mean, we've talked about him at length on here and we'll be talking about him a lot just because he's so uh, he's going to be linked to the Steelers, you know, throughout this process for obvious reasons. But, you know, and he's route running technician who's, um, you know, he's really fun to watch. And I think that he makes a sense for pretty much everybody just because of the skill set that he's he brings to the table. Um, I was really interested with Nick's second pick of Drew Sanders. That's mm-hmm. a sleeper, I feel like. Good name, Alabama. Yeah, a lot of steam star in the draft at community. Arkansas. Yeah, a lot of steam. Yeah. I feel like real, like, you know, Noah Swell's the big name, but inside linebackers always kind of fly under the radar. He's a good one. And to land him with the 32nd pick, I thought was yeah, uh, not bad. I didn't think that one was a bad one. Yeah. Um, Sanders is a really interesting player. Um, you know, he really explosive. And, you know, Arkansas used him in a lot of different ways. He, you know, got the chance to rush the passer a lot, which I always feel like is interesting um, for inside linebackers. Like, how are they deployed in obvious passing situations? You know, some of my favorite guys over the last cycle or two have been guys that even goes, um, you know, guys that kind of kick out to edge or they end up blitzing on uh, kind of some of those exotic like a gap mug looks. So, um you know, I, I definitely, I definitely see the the intrigue with Sanders' game. Um, I'm hoping to finish up my eval on him and Trenton Simpson, uh, Simpson here in the next couple of days because um, I'm seeing th- that was those are familiar names for me. Um, it's so funny. I'll post like a draft tweet, like a clip um, of a player, and like it's like almost every one of them end up getting a screenshot of like a PFF mock generator. So I, <laughs> I do, uh, I do appreciate, I do appreciate you guys. Um, it's it's pretty fun. So. No, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. You know, it's still early for draft season, I feel, but it's like, you know, the mobile's the first step, and then you keep it going, and then you keep it going. You went wide receiver deep. You went left tackle. What in the third I went, round? No, second I went pick left of the tackle second round. My yeah, my second pick. Um, Anton Harrison. He's a really interesting player. Really, really good athlete. Um, just love the way that he moves. I think he gets out of his stance really well. Um, I think he can mirror fairly well. I love the way he gets to the second level. I, it was a game that I didn't watch before I um, was getting ready for the mock, but I watched another um, Oklahoma game. I think it was the Texas game from two years ago. I was actually watching Marvin Mims again, but um, I watched him get to the second level and just seal off like 
two huge run plays, one for Caleb Williams, one for their back last year. Um, but that's something I really like about his game is how, how well he gets to the second level. So um, he's got some technical stuff to work on. Um, he's not as consistent probably as you'd like him to be just in his technique, but um, a lot of tools there. I saw somebody in the comments asking me about Broderick Jones. Uh, Jones is similar where I think that um, hand placement, hand techniques, not always where it needs to be. You know, sometimes I have yeah. his hands too low. Sometimes like the hand placement will be too wide, but Jones is awesome when he gets out in space. I mean, he's he's like a road grader. Whenever you know Georgia, they like to get him on the move. They pull him um, and different things, and he targets uh, smaller defenders really well in space, which I like. So um, Jones is another guy with a lot of tools that's going to go um, somewhere in the top twenty, top twenty five of the um, of the draft process. Somebody yeah. else, just tw- somebody else has said, I think people are undervaluing Clark Phillips. I think he's top three corner in the draft off production. Uh, Nick had Clark Phillips in his um, mock last last night. Um, he was Nick's, yeah, I think, third pick. Third, yeah, I was going to uh, say, it was round definitely second rounder. Yeah, Phillips has some um, – he's definitely some uh, – Asante Samuel Jr. Nick's talked about them kind of being similar with smaller corners, with slight frames, but really, really good tape. I loved ASJ coming out, so – um, I've, I've been a big fan of Phillips for a couple of years as well. I do think he's going to get pushed down draft boards because the corner class is the draft overall is probably below average in terms of what I've seen, but the corner class, I think it's pretty good. It, it might not have the, the, t- the top tier elite guys that last year did, but I think it's as deep as like we've seen in a long time. So I think he may get s- stuck a little bit in that regard, but he's a good player. That's a it's a good thing for the Steelers though because it's it, deep deep oh, yeah. draft is yeah, very needed for Pittsburgh. You know they need, need even if they do sign Cam Sutton and me and you were kind of going back and forth and we've talked about this before. Even if you do sign Cam Sutton back, you need another corner. Like you can't yeah. you can't walk in there. You, even if your expect expectations for Levi Wallace is to start again, cool. You you still need another corner. Like you need that third corner. Zero questions asked. I think that's very high on their priority list. Um, which is a good way to kind of transition here. I talk, As we talked about, Art Rooney spoke yesterday, gave a, a bunch away. Talked about Matt Canada. I definitely want to get into that. He talked about Brian Flores. I definitely want to get into that. Possibly hiring another offensive assistant. Want to get into that. I think the big thing, just to stick on to the NFL draft, yours truly asked, because I had one question. I went in there with one thing that I wanted to know about. It is the first time that Art Rooney and Mike Tomlin get to build around a quarterback in 20 years. Are they going to do it? Is that the top priority? You hear it all the time. You know, what's going on? Like, you got to build a co- around a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's got the same question. Are you going to do what the Bengals did? Are you going to do what the Dolphins did? Is that the plan of attack? So I asked straight up, are you going to, you know, is building around Kenny top priority? Um, he came back and hit me with, uh, yeah, like I said before, I think we have a lot of good young players on offense. We may have a lot of pieces around him that we need. Now, you can always use another piece, and we'll be looking for the other pieces. But I think we have a pretty good young group there. We'll have an opportunity in this draft that we've got some high draft picks we can utilize. In general, I think we're what we're bringing back next year, in general, I like what we're bringing back next year on offense immediately my mind went well jordan addison's not coming to the steelers that's just <laughs> that was my first thought i was just like well that's that's you're not that's not what you're gonna do and then he went on a little bit later 
somebody asked him about the offensive line and he said, I think that we did get better as the season went on and that's encouraging, but we're not going to say we can't improve. I mean, we're going to look for ways to improve. I think overall consistency is something we can do better with. We had some guys that were a little inconsistent and we've got to do better in that regard. I don't know. My mind immediately went, maybe I'm wrong here. Jordan Addison is not the guy. It's possibly going to be an offensive tackle. And I would say offensive line is where they're going to hammer on offense this, this off season. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, we got some new, um, you know, some new faces kind of at the top of the pecking order um, in the front office with, you know, Andy Weddle and then um, Omar Khan with Colbert's retirement post draft last year. Dude, um, can so- I, uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, you're good. Art said something like, Oh, things are changing the way that that Omar and Andy do the draft process. And somebody's like, can you give us an example? And he was like, you know, I'll just let them do the talking. No. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. You got nothing. I mean, that's definitely going to be, um, you know, something to watch for, like how their yeah. philosophies change. Um, you know, and I, I'm excited about that aspect of it. The unknowns, us figuring out kind of their tendencies and things like that. Um, you know, I do, I do think that the offensive line class in general is probably like average to below average. We're not going to see near the amount of, first round offensive lineman that we saw last year. I think there was like eight or nine um, yeah, there was a lineman lot. taken in the first round last year. That's not going to happen this year. I think it's probably more likely to be about four, maybe five. Um, but overall, I mean, there are still some, some guys that I really like and guys that I think that could help them even year one. I do think that the Steelers are in a unique situation though, because it's really not often that you bring back all like, 10, 11 of your starters, but that's really where the Steelers are at. I mean, technically the slot receiver is a starter because of how much 11 personnel they play. And like, I don't think that Steven Sims is going to be the start, the starter next year in that spot. So maybe 10 out of 11, but um, you, you kind of, you do get the, the sense that this is going to be what, what they, what they finished the season with last year is going to be the, the, the meat and potatoes of their offense next year. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they probably still do need to upgrade at least one piece on the offensive line, whether that be left guard, left tackle, and then they're going to get a slot receiver um, at some point um, during the off season as well. But I think that he talked a lot about, you know, finishing the season strong and that kind of upward trajectory that he felt like they were on. They're going to try to use that combined with the youth that they have on that side and just hope that natural progression kind of helps them take, you know themselves over the top do you think that there that there's enough natural progression left though with those two guys it's really just dan moore and kevin kevin dodson that's the only ones we got to work like even if chooks is maxed out he's here there's no questions there he's the right tackle it's the other two it's the other side of the the offensive line but this is year three year four for kevin dodson like what how much better can you get how much more progression can you have yeah, I, I still think I still think in order for this to because here's the deal too, like with Canada being brought back and we we've talked at length about that decision. I know he talked about that a little bit, yeah, um, yeah. as well yesterday or the day before. But um, I definitely think that the expectation for this offense has to be that it's going to be a good offense. Like it can't just be below, like it's been below average to bad most like the entire time he's been here. They have to be good. 
in order for yeah. like Canada yeah. to get another year. So we need to see like a good jump from this group and build off how they finish the season. And I think in order to do that, you still need an upgrade on the offensive line. Like I'm not yeah. saying that it's absolutely a necessity that they have to upgrade over both of those two guys, but I think you need to upgrade one of the spots and then add like another dynamic uh, receiver, particularly one that can play in the slot. And I think, they're going to have the draft capital to capital to do so. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure the board falls where they need to. You know the draft board better than most. Do you see, like, if they wait, how far can they wait it out before you're like, okay, they have completely screwed themselves on an offensive yeah. lineman? On offensive lineman, I, I think that, I think that there's a chance that Broderick Jones is there at 17. I'd be pretty surprised if Paris Johnson was, but. But you don't think you could go past 17? before it's like a dramatic fall off. Mm, I mean, those are definitely like the top names that I like. I mean, I'm a little bit higher on Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Like I I think he's definitely a top 50 guy. I've already talked about Harrison from Oklahoma, um, left tackle there. The interior line class is not great. Um, It's, it's a little difficult to find like a center that I feel really good about going in the top, like 100, there's probably only one center that's going to be selected that high, even guards. Like I consider Skaronsky a guard and I would have no hesitation with the Steelers taking him. If he was there at 17, you know, he's played left tackle his entire career, basically at Northwestern. But I think the arm length, he's only got like 32 inch arms and that's going to be below, you know, that's going to be a historic outlier for the position. And I'm just not sure if NFL teams are going to be willing to make that kind of risk um, in the early portion of the draft. But um, I definitely think he can play guard, and I think he'll be a freaking good one too. So, I mean, if the Steelers kind of fell themselves in, and like he fell into their laps, I guess is what I'm trying to say, um, I'd be down for that too. So I don't necessarily get my – I try to make sure that I'm not getting myself like pigeonholed or like hyper fixated on – a single position that they need to take first, just because um, for one, you know, we still got free agency too. So like, we don't even really know what the roster is going to look like come April. Um, and then I, I just think that that's like something we do um, sometimes a little bit too much, like maybe in the media or fan base wise, just get like too focused and fixated on one player or one yeah. position. Like there's a lot of ways to make this thing work. And even though I do think that the draft overall, like at certain positions, like receiver, is not as good as it's been in the past couple of seasons. I do think that there are still good players to be had, you know, even if they don't get their hands on like Jordan Addison at 17, there's, there's a lot of ways they can go and still, you know, come away with a good product at the end of, you know, draft weekend. Yeah. I'm not as worried about wide receiver. Like a good wide receiver would be fine, but if you added a mid tier wide receiver to start in the slot and then hope for the best in Calvin Austin and then, you know, kept Steven Sims and kept Gunnar Olszewski. And, you know, I think you can make that work and it'll be just yeah. fine. Plus you have Connor Hayward, who's pretty much a slot guy as it is, you know, Pat Fryermute's a guy that could bounce out. You got to get another tight end in there somehow because those two are practically wide receivers as it is. Offensive line is, is a concern for me, but again, like, just like you said, free agency is a, a real thing. That's how they built it last year. Wouldn't be surprised if they did it again this year. Like if you're going to toss money around there, you might as well go toss it out there get some really good left tackle. You know, that's proven to work for many teams in the past. I mean, you can look at everybody almost. No, yeah, literally everybody in the championship games this weekend and at least half of them, I guess two out of four. So really, no, maybe just one. Is it really just Trent Williams? 
Am I trying to make a point about I mean, signing left tackles? And it's no. Just a, I mean, Jonah Williams. He 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 wasn't. I mean, he was a guy that the Bengals drafted. They drafted groomed, him, and yes, then but you so know, did uh, Lane Johnson was drafted in Philly. Yeah, I mean, they Philly Philly's. Yeah, so always my, invested. Um, yeah, at, no, at that my, position too. But I do like. I think that you can make that. You can make that argument a couple of different ways, right? Like I think that there's not just one way to bake a cake when it comes to like roster building. Yeah. But I think that um, you know I see this argument a lot on Twitter. Um, you know, you can't take a receiver that high. They need to you know invest first in the offensive line. Well, like the truth, the truth of the matter is, man, once you get to this point in the season. Where we're talking about conference championship teams, yeah. divisional round teams, usually those teams have both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, yeah. you can even look at the look at the teams that are playing this weekend. You know, yeah. San Francisco's offensive line is really good. They got probably Crazy one of the good. best overall players in football, Trent Williams. You know, they're going up against Philly, who has a top two at worst offensive line. You know, Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, guys that they've invested in and developed. Yeah. Um, you know, even Cincinnati, like they've. They went out and spent a bunch of money last season and, yeah. you know, they've had some success. Um, you know, Kansas city has a, has an elite offensive line, but I also think you can make the point that all those teams have high tier weaponry, except maybe Kansas city. They got a lot of different flavors, maybe not, Dude, but even Kansas city, they got the best tight end in football and yeah. they went out and spent some money on guys like Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. and, you know, seven different running backs to make sure that they had options. And you look at what you look at what some of those decisions to go out and get some of these playmakers have done for their young quarterbacks. Like, you know, we were it's funny to think about, but like during the draft process last year, everybody was thinking that Philadelphia was stockpiling all these picks. You know, they got two first round picks uh, this year. Everybody was like, yeah. well, they're, well, they're doing that just in case they got to go get a quarterback because Jalen Hurts, not the guy. Now nah. they go they go draft Devontae Smith last year. And then they go trade, make the trade for AJ Brown, and boom, you know, Hertz explodes. He's an MVP candidate. Now we're talking about giving him fifty million dollars a year on a contract extension. So with two draft um, picks, yeah. And then you look at Cincinnati; they're back to back AFC Championship games. They got the best receiver core overall in the league. One, one through three. Um, San Francisco's uh, weaponry. No disrespect to Brock Purdy, uh, but between him and Kyle Shanahan. Um, that's an embarrassment of riches over there with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, there's more ways to get this done. And and just um, I think, you know, a lot of times it's semantics on how you get there, like what you should prioritize first. And I definitely get the arguments for both sides. I'm just saying, like, when we talk about trying to get the Steelers to play again this weekend, conference championship weekend, you're going to need both. Like, it can't just be one or the other. So, yeah, um, unless yeah, you got an elite true. quarterback. And then it might, then yeah, it might be a little then, different. But. And the Steelers don't have all, any of the three. So, gotcha. yeah. 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 So they are definitely in trouble. But I will say this I think that the Steelers have weapons. Like they have, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to nitpick on one of them, walking into 2023, I feel pretty good about the combination yeah. of George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. You they know, got a good base. They got a they good, got a good base. base. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Pat Fryermuth. I mean, Connor Hayward proved to be a pretty good pass catcher out there. It's it's a good base. It is definitely a good base that in a year, maybe at the end of this year, this upcoming season, you feel are like, oh, OK, well, some of these guys are elite. Like some of these guys have entered that territory where that's where I that's where I think that you could toss a left tackle ahead or an interior lineman ahead of a skill position, because if you're baking the cake, you have the base, you know, and yeah. your glaring weakness is not Steven Sims. It's penalties on the offensive line and sacks you know 
And Kenny will help that. I think that's a big thing that has to be misunderstood or that it is misunderstood is that Kenny's second year, he'll get hit a lot less because he'll do a lot smarter things with the football and that'll help the offensive line. And I think we'll see improvements either way, whether they make a change or not. But I think that you got to, you got to make a change. You have, you have to make a change. Um, I do want to answer this question from Miguel. Yeah, yeah do it up. Um, thoughts on the tight end position? Do you still see the Steelers drafting a tight end in the top 100? Was Zach Gentry a free agent? I mean, anything's possible. Um, the tight end position is actually really good this year. Normally, we only get like a couple starting caliber tight ends, but I, yeah, I think that uh, the position this year is pretty solid, and I think that there's going to be probably four, maybe, maybe even five that go in the top, like 50 to 70 picks. So, um, you know, there's a lot of names out there. Uh, Michael Mayer is the, the top guy, I think in this class, but I did a scouting report on Darnell Washington. If you're uh, from Georgia, if you're interested in that, you can check out the NFL draft tab. Um, Dude, I just want to go, I just want to go interview a guy who's a, a foot. Oh taller yeah. He's than me. yeah. He, a he's foot a, taller than me. He's on my list for the combine, man. I've already got a couple guys that I've really enjoyed, like film-wise, that I have specific questions for, and Washington's going to be one of those guys. But there's there's other players, too, like past that. Like I, I've talked a lot about Dalton Kincaid, who uh, caused a big uproar because Daniel Jeremiah had him as tight end one uh, yesterday on Twitter, and it was Oh, did he really? Out. But I, I have talked about him a lot at length on the draft pod, but he's a – excellent receiver man like the dude just gets open and he never drops passes he dropped two passes like his entire time at utah he had like a he had like a 200 and something like 260 or something like that game against usc this past season that was unreal um he's an awesome player guys like uh tucker craft uh luke musgrave is gonna be at the senior bowl so there's a lot of talent i don't know if the steelers are gonna be willing to pay that kind of price no they're not they're not, but I, but I do think, but I do think the position itself offers a bunch of talent. I agree, uh, but I don't think that I would. I would see if I could see the Steelers. I think Zach Entry is going to come back. If I had to put my money on a move, I would say that Zach Entry doesn't have many targets right now. You know, I bet you there's not a bunch of teams out there looking at him saying we're going to pay Zach Entry a boatload of money. He fits well in Pittsburgh's offense. He's going to get more passing targets here than anywhere else because Matt Canada loves his Zach Entry tight end screen. Loves it. He's cuddles with it at night. He feels real good about it. I, I would imagine Zach Entry comes back. And I feel good about that. I think Zach Entry is good for what he does here. But if they didn't, it would be cool to get a flashy tight end. It's been a minute. You know, like Pat Fryermuth was a good one, but you kind of saw that one coming. Before Pat, it was a long time of Ladarius Greens, Nick Vanettes, Vance McDonald's just filling the void anywhere that you could possibly go. Yeah, it's, it hard, it's hard to get a tight end, man. Like I said, we don't is. get very many, we don't get very many uh starting caliber tight ends. And that's just because um, you know, even like we've seen Pat, you know, struggle in the in the blocking department. But I mean, that's that's not that's the norm these days. Like yeah. a lot of these guys, they grow up with seven, seven on seven football. Um, many of them when they're in um many of them when they're in college, you know, are basically detached receivers, you know, playing a yeah, lot exactly. in the slot, playing a lot out wide. Um, yeah, there's always the Zach entry to a Pat Fryermuth in college, too. You yeah. know, like there's always the guy that they'll just send it. Because in college, you don't have to disguise it as well as you do in the NFL. Like you'll just toss him out there and be like, okay, you're 6'8, 270 pounds. You are doing nothing but blocking. And that is your job here at Penn State, you know? And then Pat Fryermuth, like you said, is just basically a detached wide receiver. I agree. I agree. It would be cool, though. I'd be all about that life. I just, 
tight ends are always the my last thing I'll say about tight ends. Always my favorite interviews. Always super nice guys. I've never met a mean tight end in my entire people have bad things to say about Vance McDonald. He was nothing but nice to me whole time he was there. So no issues with tight ends. I'm all about tight ends. All right. Other thing I want to talk about coming out of the Art Rooney presser the other day or the Art Rooney media session the other day was Matt Canada. He pretty much said, you know, the reason we kept Matt Canada was because of Kenny Pickett. Um, the exact words here. I'm trying to find them. Uh, no, no, I'm too far down here. I have the transcript in front of me for you guys thinking that I'm just staring into nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was asked if the improvement on, on offense specifically was the reason that the team decided to stick with Matt Canada for another season. Rooney Rooney responded, yeah, I think so. I think we all like to see the improvement. With a rookie quarterback, they seem to work well together. They, build a, they built a good working relationship. To sort of start over again with a new offensive coordinator could wind up back in the same situation again where the first half of the season you're breaking in a new OC. So we just felt like there's enough there to build on that. We want to continue to keep that group together. Two things here. One, that's just a terrible excuse. And two, it certainly did sound like there was a lot of, oh, you know, maybe we all overreacted about Matt Canada. It certainly sounded to me like the Steelers were as iffy on Matt Canada as the rest of us were this entire season, but they, you know, like I just said, they have a terrible excuse to keep him. They've just decided that that's the reason to keep him because we talked about it before. Like, okay, if it doesn't work out this season, so you just, you're just willing to take two years off instead of a half of a season. And just that one doesn't make sense to me, but that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the, the re the rationale behind it, I, I don't, I'm not on board with the with the reasoning. We we talked at length about that last week. Um, I, I still just think that you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I think Huge that you're going to end up in the in the same spot this time next year. But ultimately, that's they're they're leaning on familiarity and trying to continue some of that trajectory that they uh, finished the season with. My one of my biggest concerns, you know, I brought this up last week too, is um, you know just making sure that we're not settling. Um, with decisions like this and I, I think that that's ultimately what's happening the thing that concerns me is I, I think a, some of those game winning drives late you know to beat Baltimore to beat um, you know the Raiders ended up kind of securing his job when um, you know I definitely think you know finishing the season seven and two or whatever they finish is definitely something to build on yeah it's just um, you look at the quarterbacks they faced in the second half of the season I'm not trying to take anything away from them I'm just being really realistic about how how to look at it and play anybody uh, no dude they didn't know, play they anybody really at lucky. all the, ha- the second half of the season you know you look at just the guys that they played, like some of the better quarterbacks they played during that stretch Andy Dalton probably won't be a starter next year. Derek what do you Carr, mean probably wouldn't be a starter next year? He won't be a starter next year. I didn't think he was going to be a starter this year, but yeah. He was I mean, competing with Jameis Winston. Yeah, was, I mean, he's not going to be he he's not going to be a starter next year. Derek Carr is not, you know, he got benched shortly after. He's going to be yeah. a starter next year, but, like, obviously he's not, um, you yeah. know, a top 10 guy or anything like that. You look at the guys that they played, um, it's – I guess what I'm trying to say is squeaking out those like 16, 13 or 20 to 16 victories 
is good. And I think um, you can learn things from those wins. And it's always better to win ugly than lose in pretty fashion. But at the same time, it's like, you know, next year, um, you're not, I mean, I don't think you're going to have the opportunity to play Tyler Huntley twice. You know, I don't think you're going to have the opportunity to play, you know, um, Marcus Mariota (laughs) down the stretch, like those type of guys. So I think um, you could even look week one. You're not going to have the opportunity to play Joe Burrow four days removed from appendix surgery. So, I mean, there's that aspect of it, but we'll see how it plays out, man. I mean, I I think, you know, we've exhausted a lot of uh, time and energy into Matt Canada stuff. And I mean, it it is what it is. He's coming back. Um, And I know, like, he's a real controversial person because the offensive coordinator always is. But um, I I am hopeful that, you know, at least the working relationship between him and Pickett, they'll have a full offseason to figure out, you know, what each of them liked last year and how yeah. they can continue to build on the offense. Um, we talked last week, we'd love to see more play action um, and, and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see if anything changes, um, especially like once we, you know, fill out the rest of the roster and see kind of who's going to be involved or what changes they make. But, you know, overall bring back the office of coordinator, you got the entire offense coming back. Um, it's a lot of continuity and a lot of youth. So, We'll see how much, um, you know, upside or development there is with that group. Yeah, the, we'll, yeah we'll see. We'll see. I, you always try to finish that off with every time you talk about Matt Canada, by the end of it, you're just like trying to get some positivity <laughs> I, out I there. I try, man. I, I do my best. <laughs> I do what, my I, best. what I wanted to go off of that with is that he was also asked about a Brian Flores type position, a senior mm-hmm. assistant on offense. And he said, um, I wouldn't take it off the table. And to me, that's the perfect situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that they're actually considering it because if Kenny Pickett and, or if Matt Canada doesn't work out, you don't want to take that risk of having to reset with an offensive coordinator. Best way to do that is not to go replace him with your quarterback's coach who hasn't been an OC in 10 years. The best way to do that is to have a Brian Flores like guy in the building, somebody with experience, have them you know, work together. And then if it doesn't work out, you get rid of Matt Canada. You already have a guy in place for the season after because they wouldn't fire Matt Canada in the middle of the season. Just it just won't happen. Yeah. But if he doesn't work out and you got to replace him at the end of the season, there's no transition there. It's just, hey, here, let's work with whoever. The name that comes to mind, obviously, is Byron Leftwich. Is that a move that makes sense for the Steelers? Is it a bad idea considering he had a bad season with the Buccaneers or you know you just look at it like that would make a lot of sense I don't I don't really particularly have strong feelings either way I mean I think in general anytime you can add experienced coaches um and and I would consider Leftwich at this point yeah definitely because he's worked under you know BA was one of the most respected guys around the league so I mean I think you know having that experience of working with BA, you know, he has a relationship with Tomlin considering he played here for several years. Um, I I'm for it. If, if that's what ends up, you know, taking place, I don't yep. know what Leftwich's plans are. I don't know that he's going to get another heck, uh, another offensive coordinator job this cycle. Um, but we don't really know that because there's still so many open jobs available. So who ends up filling the head coaching vacancies, what links do they have to their co- potential coordinator spots? Yeah, true. Um, we probably won't know that uh, for a couple of weeks. Now, I don't think this is going to be a Flores situation where, you know, you're 
No, no, you're not going to get the off season, and then he, yeah, I don't. It's not going to be like that. But Leftwich will find a home somewhere. I'm not opposed to adding another guy with play calling experience. I do think that the he was at least partially at fault with some of the stuff last year. Um, Some of the comments that he was making after some of those Bucks performances on offense were really. um, Oh, I actually didn't hear any of those eye opening to me. Yeah, just like. I remember one, and I don't. I don't want to. I'm gonna end up misquoting it because I don't know the Sorry, exact. Take everybody, verbiage. take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, but it was basically they asked him about the lack of play action in their offense, oh, and yeah. you know he was talking about how they couldn't run the ball, and like analytically, we know that that does not matter. Like you don't have to be a dominant running team to be a good play action team. It does it help? Absolutely, it helps to have a great back back there and yeah. a strong running game to lean on. Teams do that every year, but you don't necessarily need a dominant run game to incorporate a play action pass game. It's just not analytically or statistically proven anymore. So it just, that was just like one of those things like, dude, it's 2022. Like how the hell are we still doing this? (laughs) Yeah. What are we doing? Um, But yeah, I mean, I like lift, which I I think he's a good dude. And I I would, I'm all about, you know, we, we looked at, we, we can talk about Tomlin's um, lack of a coaching tree or whatever, how, however, but they've never been in a situation where I feel like their coaching staff's just been flat out bad. And I don't think that um, I'm quite there right now either. No. But you look at how people, I think, dismiss how important that is. You look at Denver this past season. They're probably the best lip, litmus test for needing experienced like qualified proven coaches on the staff in order for things to work. Go look at Nathaniel Hackett's staff. Dude, it was all year. first year guys. All Stack first it. year guys, just guys with no track record, no proven ability to do it at this yeah. level. And like you saw things, you know, it got off to a bumpy start and then it just fell off the rails. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that, um, you know, you avoid situations like that when you've got guys in the building that have done it at least at a high level you know left which it was definitely ba's offense i mean even last year they were running ba stuff for the most part i felt like i mean i'm not one to dive into the all 22 weekly for the bucks for no reason but there's a lot of the same stuff um schematically and you know ba has done that at a high level for a long time so um incorporating some new ideas you know maybe bringing some stuff over from ba um and putting it in this offense I, I don't i don't think that that's a bad idea whatsoever it's just i don't i don't know how the coaching carousel stuff's going to play out and where he could potentially land no i don't either and i think that that's a that's a wait and see type situation it would not be uh today yeah. or tomorrow or next week or whatever but i also don't know if anybody's going to be hollering to byron leftwich to be like hey you know come coach come be roc come be our yeah. whatever he may and have to settle for something other than that's OC. what i'm saying he might have to he might be in a situation where the steelers call him and say hey look at man sure. look like you know you want to come help regroup this offense sit a year with a young quarterback hopefully prove yourself and you know you could be the next brian flores who's getting yeah. offers because that's the thing like we've talked about this before you take a year off of football no matter what it is like cliff kingsbury going to thailand the smartest thing you could do because in a year and two years people will totally forget it he will get one ridiculous offer from somewhere and he'll be a head coach again. That's just what, yeah, that's just what happens in the NFL. And I think and the, Steelers ben- the Steelers benefit from that, you know, and they I, do exactly. Yeah. So I'm, not- I'm definitely, I'm definitely down for, you know, that situation playing itself out like that. Yeah, me too. And I think it felt good to finally 
like hear it from Rooney's mouth to to kind of feel like okay, this isn't a bunch of fans or people on the radio or whatever, you know, spilling out ideas. It's like, sure. oh, they're they're they'll consider it. They actually will consider it. Yeah, I think that's huge. All right, we're heading out of here, guys. Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to go check out Derek and Nick's mock draft on Steelers Draft Talk on the YouTube channel, on all the podcast networks, everything. And check out all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. Derek's got almost every other day dropping a new scouting report, so make sure that you guys are checking those out. We'll be back on Monday. Peace.